The coronavirus is the biggest threat this country has faced we for have decades. We have everyone in Wales to make changes in the way we live our lives. Stay at home during this pandemic. Welcome to Journos in Lockdown. A podcast created by trainee broadcast journalists who are learning to report in a global pandemic. As we've not been able to go out and meet journalists, we've decided to bring them to you and ask them what challenges coronavirus has brought them and what the future of journalism might look like. Hello and welcome to another episode of Journos in Lockdown. I'm Megan Cope and last weekend I spoke to the lovely Laura Woods via a video call. She's a Sky Sports presenter and recently became the main host of the Talk Sport Breakfast Show. We spoke a lot about her career and sport, but what struck me was her sincere advice to aspiring journalists who may be struggling to find ways to get ahead at the moment. Here is the full episode. Laura, thank you so much for joining us. Obviously, we're in pretty crazy times at the moment, and I feel like we're hearing a lot about what other workplaces and industries are doing to adapt to coronavirus, but not so much about what journalists and broadcasters are doing. So obviously, you're still going into the radio studio a few times a week. What's it like? What are the changes there? It's really strange because the thing with radio that you get when you are hosting is chemistry is so important. And those little split seconds make a massive difference to the way that either you or the guests react. So having someone in the studio with you where you can feel their warmth and you can make a little bit of eye contact with each other and you can say, you can kind of explain what you mean by your, by the way that you present yourself, you know, your, your facial expressions, all that sort of stuff. So when it's over the phone, you don't get that. So for the first two or three weeks that we were doing it, we were doing it without a Zoom meeting. We've now changed that and we've got everybody on Zoom. Well, the guests, not like the people that phone in, but like the, my co-hosts, Ali McCoy's, Freddie Flintoff, they're both on Zoom. Wow. And the, different, the difference it makes is huge because, you know, just little things like someone who has a question will go like, oh, I'll go next and I'll go call you next and then you next. And then so stuff like that, it just helps a lot. And it's like, if you make a joke, you don't want to have to over egg the joke to prove it's a joke if that makes sense so say like if I made a joke with you then you could read my face and know that I'm joking but without that you kind of you lose a little bit of the the fun of it because you end up over laughing just to make sure that everybody else knows what you're doing and it just takes the it's just not it's not as natural and it's and it's difficult and there's delays in the line and there's sometimes just technical failures people fall off the line altogether or their voice goes cracky I mean it's just it's madness but for me overall I think I love human contact I love people so just being in the studio on your own feels really empty you know it feels like you are even though you've got people there on zoom you just you lose a lot of warmth so you know you know when we might come out of this so are your producers are they quite keen on continuing that via phone call or whatever are you quite keen to get people back in yeah you can hear it there's such a difference there's such a difference from having somebody in the room and having that split second reaction Mm. um i think if anything for our industry that is the most important thing of all because if you're a listener it doesn't matter you know for for maybe a job where you're saving people um, having to leave their houses because they could work from home and their job isn't affected. For our job, it is affected. It is, it, you you lose so much from not being in the same room together. It makes a huge difference. So I hope not. <laughs> I hope everyone's <laughs> going to be back in the same room. Otherwise, you know, for 
to be to be the presenter as well there's so much to think about and there's all these different ways that you need to be talking to your producer you you're queuing for different things and then you've got these two on the phone and then their lines are down it's like you're sometimes your head just wants to blow up so yeah when it's all back to normal i will be so grateful for having them back in the same room definitely so obviously you were announced as the presenter was it end of march for talks about breakfast so. yeah and <laughs> yeah. it was during the craziness that's been going on at the moment how difficult is it to think of content every morning when there's no live sport on are you finding it hard do you know what my my background is tv and and it's i came through the production line so our jobs were to be creative and think of ideas so i'm never i'm never short of an idea i definitely feel that but four hours of ideas can be hard. So mm. not doing, you know, not making it a quiz every five minutes and, and not being like, oh, on this day, this happened. And don't get me wrong, we're still doing that. But I was, I was quite concerned that we would run out of things to talk about quite quickly. But there is still news. There's still a lot of sports news coming out. There's a lot of debate. And that's, I think, what we're blessed with in TalkSport is it's a conversation. So, you know, people can call in if they want to get involved. And I'm a massive, I love just opening the phone lines and letting people call in. I think it's the best thing that you can do. And I think, you know, people want to be a part of the show. So I prefer that. I prefer them to drive it. And, and, you know, here's the topic of conversation. Call us up if you've got an opinion on it. And I love that so much. But then you've also got next to me, you've got two really good talkers, Ali McCoy, Freddie Flintoff. And there was another part of me that was thinking, are we going to run out of ideas of, of things to reminisce about? But you're never really short of anything. And yeah. also with our listeners, we know that every 20 minutes, People probably change station or get out of the car or go and do something else. So you've got a new batch of listeners on average for every 20 minutes or so. So I always have to remember not to exclude those listeners from something that we've already mentioned earlier on. And you always have to bring it forward. So don't just repeat what you've said. Think about what you've said. Recap other people's opinions and bring it forward in some way and make it new and make it interesting. But yeah, I did. When, when I took the job, obviously, this is the last thing in the world I ever thought was going to happen. Oh my God, I know. <laughs> I mean, it's like you, you, you couldn't write it. It's unbelievable. And how is that new dynamic going with Freddie Flintoff? Are you enjoying it? Oh, he's so great. He's yeah. so funny and he surprises me every day. You know, he's got a lot of different facets to his personality that you think, oh, wow, that was, you know, he could be really funny one minute and then he could go into a really deep story about, um, you know, struggles that he's had in his career. It might be depression, it might be eating disorders. You know, we spoke about mental health a couple of weeks ago and he referenced his own battles with mental health and it was really eye-opening and it was really interesting to hear him talk about it um so he can he can surprise me you know two or three times a show and i think that's what the listeners are finding as well because you have a an idea of his persona from his playing days you have an idea of his persona from his tv career um and this is the first time i think i've heard him off script so i've really enjoyed it yeah and yeah. ali of course is just ali you know he's like he's just a joy he's just a bundle of joy I never get bored of Ali ever. <laughs> it sounds brilliant, the three of you. I want to talk a bit about Sky now. What are you doing with them at the moment? I've seen you've been doing a few things, but obviously it's a bit more difficult, isn't it? Not yet. There's just not a lot with Sky. They're yeah. doing the football show. So really, like, my work with Sky is stopped until live football starts again. And then we'll see where we are with it. Even if it starts again, I don't know what the plans are. I don't think anybody does. And it's quite difficult, really, to... You have to be ready, you have to make plans, but then obviously at the same time, it's, these are the conversations that we have on TalkSport. It would be problematic if we didn't plan for the return of it, but at the same time, you don't want to rush it. So 
at the moment with Sky, it's just everything's ground to a halt, really. Yeah. So, you know, they're saying they may be playing behind closed doors and they may be shown on TV. It's also, you know, the challenge of the broadcaster to sort of make up for the crowd not being there and the atmosphere as well. Yeah, I think, I mean, as broadcasters, we want to make it entertaining, but at the same time, I mean, I've seen Bundesliga are putting up cardboard cutouts of fans in the crowd. I don't, I don't know who that's for. I don't know if that's for the viewer or if that's for the players. It might be for the players to make them feel a little bit more like they're not playing in the middle of a ghost town, but I don't know. The sound of cardboard cutout people freaks me out a little bit. Um, <laughs> I think I think for this season to be finished, when it, when it gets back on, if it gets back on, I think really it will just be a case of playing those games and seeing the season out and then seeing where we are. I almost feel in a way that, I mean, entertainment, I think you're given a lot of rope with that. I think a lot of people will be compassionate and, and forgiving if it's not the, the same article that they used to, because it will be completely different. And I think well. we've, state, we've all got to a point now where we accept that, where we understand that everything's going to be a little bit different. Even radio, you know, everybody's quite forgiving in the fact that we know that we're not allowed in the same room. We know that there are people in... Scotland, in Manchester, I'm in London. So I think they're a bit more forgiving of the circumstances. Yeah, I think you're right there. And people are just going to be so desperate to see their team play again yeah. um, on TV. I did want to talk a bit about, you know, how you've got to where you are today. Hmm. Was it something you always wanted to go into or is it something you fell into? No, it's, with, with what I do, I think there's always been a massive drive there. And I think if it wasn't now, I, I don't think I'd be where I am now. It's, it's always been about reaching a certain level. When I was at university, I wanted to do print journalism, but I had broadcast in the back of my mind. And I remember I applied for Bournemouth Uni, but I didn't get the grades to get in. And that was for really? broadcast journalism. So then I settled with print journalism. But in a way, it, was, it didn't feel like print journalism wasn't as good as broadcast. I really loved writing and I, somebody always told me that um, print journalism is a good base to start with because then you can build from that and you can specialise in other things, whether it be sport, whether it be broadcast mm-hmm. or, or, or something completely different, news, whatever. So going to university and doing, bro- and doing print journalism actually was, I was really happy to do that and it did teach me a lot and teach me a lot of things about editorial judgment, which goes a long way in TV. So broadcast was always at the back of my mind. Reporting was always there, but I had my options open in case I couldn't do it. And then I got work experience at Sky and it really just went from there. And I went through ups and downs of whether or not I thought I could do it um, because it wasn't always, it wasn't an easy path at all. And there weren't many options. I ended up having to do it outside of work. A lot of the ways that you learn. Um, it was taking a camera and doing my own stuff, making a showreel, applying for other jobs that I could do when I wasn't working at Sky, doing work after hours, putting it all together. This is there's a lot of work that goes into it. But so much graph. Yeah. yeah, but it's it's in a way it's like you wouldn't want it any other way because you learn so much and you make so many mistakes along the way as well. And those are all really important make, mistakes to make. You know, yeah. God, some of the programs that I've worked on some of the mistakes I've made I think if I had made that on a larger scale on a larger stage especially with social media around you know people don't forget that kind of thing so you have to be allowed to make mistakes and you have to have a good um uh, what's the word a good space to make them in (laughs) so did you start off as a runner on Sky or was it and then you just worked your way up yeah so we go we have different levels at sky you go in as a runner and your job is to um obviously look after everybody on different production teams and then the aim is to then get on a team 
um, work on that team as a runner, then an editorial, assist, editorial assistant, assistant producer, associate producer, producer. Um, so I did those. I went, I went all the way up. I produced live shows and I really loved them, but I didn't get a buzz from them. It was some, there was just something missing for me and I couldn't, I couldn't come to terms with that being the end of my career path you know, getting to producer and then going, oh, I'm happy here. I wasn't happy. So, and obviously I was a baby producer, you know, I wasn't producing massive, massive shows or anything, but they were live sport nonetheless. And I, I just remember, I just had this itch and I was like, I just want to, I felt like I knew I'd be good at it. And I couldn't work out why, because when I practiced, I was so shit. I was so bad because everything that comes with reporting or presenting is all about confidence. And that's what has to click. You have to you have to find your own voice and then you have to get your confidence and all of the hard work that came along with it, I expected and I was glad and I was happy to do it because I think if you're passionate about everything, it doesn't really feel, it's not like hard labor. No. You're, you're constantly learning and you're constantly reading and you've got your eyes open and it's like, it's exciting. It's TV as well. So you can't, you can't get bored of it. And I think if you do get bored of it, it's probably not the right job for you. No. Just hearing you speak, I can sense the passion so much. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> like, honestly, it's the best job <laughs> So when was it that you made the switch then? You know, you, you were doing producing, you weren't keen. How took, did you get that break? It took a long time. It, was, it, wasn't like, it wasn't like I quit my job and then started as a reporter. It was always doing reporting along the sides of my job. And then um, I remember I started doing bits and bobs for darts. I started doing stuff for... Um, Speedway for NFL pitch side reporting at Wembley and that was massive that was like my first huge gig then I remember I was doing bits of golf outside of Sky for Matchroom Euro Pro Tour and then Soccer Aim Online came along and we all auditioned for it and they wanted two presenters and that was the first time really that my job became just presenting um, and just reporting rather than any of the other bits and bobs that I did and yeah. that was probably about that was 2015, I think, 14, 15. Is that when Leicester won the league? I think, I think it was then. So yeah, it, it feels like yesterday, but it's actually quite a long time ago now. And then we went to the Euros. We did um, Euro 2016 in France and it was wow. amazing. Like it was just, it was just the best experience. We were out there for a month and we were doing these Facebook lives every day. And that was the first time that I felt all of a sudden I was confident and I was off script. And I sounded like myself because it sometimes takes a while for your voice to sound like your authentic voice. Mm -hmm. And if you're comfortable with it, you're like, oh, this is what it's about. So those soccer online days were amazing. You know, we were like, we were just rocking up to football grounds and interviewing fans. And like, it was just such a laugh. It was, it was everything you, it was the perfect training ground in a way, but mm -hmm. You know, we were talking to Premier League footballers and we couldn't believe it. We were like, wow, we were doing like these fun quizzes with them and stuff like that. Yeah. It was great for us because it matched my personality straight, straight away. Yeah. And then I started doing more interviews with Sky Sports Football with those guys. And we're all under the same roof and we all know each other so well. And the producers have obviously watched me move from sport to sport and team to team. So you're always, you're always knocking on doors and you're always asking for opportunities and you're just waiting for somebody to go yeah okay fine we'll give you a chance and then that's kind of how it how it happened so when you look at your career now are you like right yeah this is what I was meant to be doing yeah I do yeah, yeah I feel like it especially with TalkSport because it sounds like four hours is a long time and it is but it is it, it gives you a chance to spread your wings and and consider what you're saying and you can come out with some right garbage sometimes and we normally do between six and seven because <laughs> I'm not really properly awake but yeah <laughs> but it 
it's like it's the just, listeners want that as well it sounds so natural well you don't want to one thing that I learn about radio is that you're one of them and they're listening to you and if you are as normal as you can be and if you are quite a warm person that's all they really want to hear you know you get experts on the experts do that job but for us for my job my job is to be the voice of them and ask the questions that they would want asked and I never I always think as well if you've got you know if you've got like a, a big name coming on it's up to me to to know everything about that person and everything about that situation that we that we want them on to talk about so the research goes hand in hand with that kind of thing um because yes you represent the average person but then you also need to know more than that person to ask yeah. the right so the work continues and it never ends you've interviewed some massive names you know david beckham jürgen klopp and my favorites neil warnock because i'm a massive cardiff fan (laughs) (laughs) he's such a character i was gonna ask you you know what how long does it take you to prepare for interviews like that wow like i mean i always when i'm normal and in busy mode and in the season you end up doing your research on the train between gigs and stuff like that I'll try and spend as much time as possible as I can on them but when you're in the throes of things for example if it were a Neil Warnock interview when he was at Cardiff I'll know what situation Cardiff are in I've, I followed the season in and out I'll know all those sort of specifics so if it is an interview specifically about that game I probably won't need to do more than a few hours on it because I know it but if it's an in-depth one I'll read about them all the time. If I know it's coming up, then I'll try and get as much crammed in as I possibly can. Because that information never, it never goes. It stays in there. And you end up building up such a back catalogue of all this knowledge about these people. And the great thing about radio is all of a sudden you sprinkle it in. So it might be research that I've done for Sky for some reason. And then I'll be talking about it on radio a year later. And I'll remember something that I learned about them. So it's always, it always comes back out. And I think that's great. But... You know, before a Super Sunday, I'll spend a long time researching it and none of that information will ever see the light of day. But it makes me feel better. You know, I, I might sit there. More relaxed. Yeah, I'll probably sit there. Yeah. All in all, I'll probably sit there for a day across the week and just go through different things, go through teams, go through potential injuries and formations and ways that they might change it. If you know, for example, that somebody might be switching to a three at the back, which centre-back will they be coming in? Like, there's loads of different things. There's, there's, there's loads of pre-match press conferences with the managers as well I always like looking at those because I and sometimes if and this is really extra but sometimes if I've got the time on the morning of the game when I'm getting ready in the hotel or wherever it is we're staying I'll go onto the fan channels as well and I'll listen to what the fans are saying because those guys those guys are great and and again you want to represent in a way you want to make sure that your tone is right so what are the fans thinking about this morning and is there something that I can ask our guests that's going to give them more information about a specific topic that they've all been talking about so those are the kind of things that I always look into <laughs> yeah the preparation that goes into it sounds unreal and does it ever annoy you then when you know I've seen you've got some right idiots on your Twitter sometimes and they'll comment on on your looks or whatever yeah. and it's just like do you not understand how much preparation I've done for this? <laughs> does it ever annoy you at all yeah you, I, I do get annoyed about it actually sometimes yeah. I get annoyed because I think that it's easy isn't it it's easy to say oh she got to wherever she is blah 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 um but it, it took 10 years it took a really long time but then at the same time you know like I, I did an interview about this the other day actually and the headline was very focused on it but the interview itself wasn't that was just a kind of throwaway comment I remember I got asked about it 
but it doesn't bother me that much because I kind of think realistically the people that I hold in the with the utmost respect are the peers that my peers in the industry they're the other journalists and they know because they've done it too so it's the producers the journalists those kind of people even you know the managers I want to make sure that the managers know that I know what I'm talking about so I'm yeah. never in a situation in front of them where I don't I haven't done my homework and they're the ones really that I allow to judge me I do get fed up sometimes when I see things on Twitter but I'm getting much better at filtering it out as long as the as long as it's not 5am in the morning and I've just woken up I've stopped yeah. going through in the morning as well because if you see yeah. something you're tired it's more likely to piss you off <laughs> how do you find is the best way to deal with people like that do you think it's better just to ignore us because I think the way you call them out sometimes I would rather see that so it's a it's a balance really because what I don't like doing is sometimes I call them out and then I notice that a lot of people get on it Mm. and get involved and then it becomes a bit of a witch hunt for that one person and they've they've made a stupid comment i get it and i don't like when they do that but then I, what i don't like is the sort of um the bully culture and then you you sort of think well if i just become a bully but i would never call somebody out i'd never single them out in the way that people do to to other people no of course not it's going to be a, a reaction so i'm learning it I, I don't know what the right answer is you know i think it's all a bit of balance like I don't get involved as much as I used to, especially as I've taken this job because I feel like it can consume me sometimes. So I'm getting better at just sort of leaving it and just going, well, not really. And I don't really, I don't read it as much as I used to anymore. Good. I just have to say, you know, being a female sports broadcaster, it does come with those things that we, that you do have to deal with and reading things on your Twitter I do think oh god I'm not sure I could handle that you know what would you say to maybe a female listening to this who maybe wants to go into sports would you just say forget forget that and just focus on yourself or I hate the fact that it comes with the territory I hate that and because I think it's unfair um and I've always thought that I don't know if it would change in our lifetime I think it's a generational thing the one thing I do think is that the more balanced it becomes the more the next generation coming through will accept it as the norm so you know when I was younger and I'd see people like Gabby on my tv I never really thought anything of it It was only when I got to a certain age that I learned what sexism was and I and I saw it a little bit and I heard pick things up you know from people that I knew I was like and then I got to I grasped what it was but when I was younger it wasn't really it wasn't a concept that I was familiar with so sexism like most of those sort of prejudices are taught you know the society teaches you that you're not born with that so I think gradually it will filter out it will just take a really long time a lot with a lot of those sort of draconian views like it will take a really long time but the one thing I think is good in a way is if you can be strong and if you can accept that this might happen and that there are things that boys get criticized for as well it definitely makes you a stronger person and it's 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 not going to be easy but i would say if, if it's a passion and you want to do it the last thing you should let anybody do is, is put you off of your passion or allow so allow you to doubt yourself and the only way literally the only way and the only thing you can do is keep smashing it yourself keep doing all of your research and and keep really focused and at the end of the day, who gives a fuck? Do you know what I mean? <laughs> Where if sometimes if somebody catches me on Twitter in a bad mood and I see something and I'm like, why have they said that? I'll just click and it will take me about five seconds. I'll click on their page. I'll look at their responses to people and I'll realize that their job is to troll. And, and I, one thing I always say to myself is if somebody's come for you out the middle of nowhere and, and they've got an opinion on you because you're a female for whatever reason, it usually says more about them than it does about what you're doing. So um, true. And that's kind of something that I've come to 
come to admit, uh, to come to accept now. So yeah, you should never, I mean, if, if trolls and if that kind of culture on social media is something that worries you, I think you definitely, definitely get a little bit more hardened to it as you go through, but it should never be something that puts you off doing what you want to do ever. Definitely. If your passion's big enough, nothing should really get in your way. Yeah. And you can't question you genuinely. If you've done all your research and you and you're good at what you do, just listen to the people that you respect. Don't listen to Joe Blogs with an egg for a profile picture yeah. who's like who follows all the porn sites out there. You know? yeah. <laughs> like, you know. Right weirdos though. <laughs> <Thanks>. <laughs> What advice would you give to an aspiring broadcaster right now who's in lockdown? She's not sure what she should be doing or he should be doing. What, what would you be doing with your time? Use this time as the only holiday you'll ever get. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. It's perfect. Like, it's perfect right now. You're not missing anything in sport because there's no sport. So listen to every radio station, every podcast. Read, read as many biographies and autobiographies read the papers because there's still the fact that there's no sport doesn't mean that we don't have brilliant journalists that aren't writing the most amazing pieces and use it as an opportunity to learn about something that you didn't know about before you know for example like if you're too young if I were 18 now and I saw a promo on tv for Anfield 89 and I didn't know what that was I'd go and watch it and find out exactly what that was and if I'm not au fait with certain journalists I'd go and I'd read that every article not every single one but I'd read as many as I could and I'd find who my favorite journalists are and why they are and I would just use it as a as a perfect time to practice to read to watch things but also you know work on yourself like if it's broadcast journalism that you're into and you know that there are some elements of your I'm trying to think of a better word what you're trying to do there's some holes maybe in in what you think you need to become go and work on them and reflect on them and make them better because there's nothing you can't learn like I I have this massive thing with reading so when I was at school I wasn't a very fluid reader and when I started at Sky I went for three sports news screen tests and I bombed all three of them because I couldn't read an autocue couldn't do it I mean I can read but it's the fluid reading it's a whole different way of reading yeah and it's a real it's a real talent it's a real different skill but just because you can't do it doesn't mean you can't work in broadcast so there will be elements of that job that you think are above and beyond you and they're not it's just that you will find a way of getting around it so eventually you know I just never used an autocue now I work in um I didn't get that job but it was the best thing that could ever happen to me because I'm not a newsreader I've realized that so if there's something about your career that you're frightened of and that you think is out of your reach then use it as a perfect opportunity to practice on that and if you can't master it there's there's ways around everything you know if you've got the drive there's ways around everything that's amazing advice thank you Laura um, and finally I just want to know what's something personal that you're going to be taking out of this lockdown Oh, I tell you what, um, learning to take a break is is huge because I don't think I've switched off like this for 10 years, I'd say genuinely. And um, I I was getting a little bit exhausted because I, I just don't know how to slow down and I don't like it. <laughs> and even now, I mean, I'm bored, like I am bored <laughs> and, and I'm missing having 20 jobs to do in one week. But at the same time, I'm definitely learning that there's a different way of living and it's, you know, like seeing and speaking, to, well not seeing, but can you class Zoom as seeing? I don't really know. Speaking to yeah. my friends and family more than I ever have is something I think I, I hope I will take out of this. I hope I'll do it more because balance is so important in our jobs. You know, 
like like I say, obviously read everything, do your research, but have some balance and have some time for you as well because otherwise it just goes so quickly and you just you don't have a chance to enjoy it and live it. So yeah, that's my biggest lesson is is balance. <laughs> Amazing. Laura, thank you so much. You're welcome. Lovely to meet you both. Thanks again to Laura and thanks to you for listening. Don't forget you can follow us on Twitter, we're at Lockdown Journos. And also keep an eye out for our next episode where Evan will be speaking to Paul Brand. Until then, stay safe.